Hello, this is Mark Babbitt, and you're listening to Radio Free Leader. Welcome to Radio Free Leader. I'm your host, David Burkus, best-selling author and recovering academic, and this is the show that tears down the wall between the ivory tower and the corner office. Each episode brings you an outstanding thinker to help you lead smarter by sharing insights from social science and practical applications for leadership, innovation, and strategy. Make sure you stay up to date with Radio Free Leader and get some great stuff we don't share on the show by joining our community. You can sign up on the show notes page for this episode at davidberkus.com slash 718 or text Radio Free to 33444. We'll even get you caught up with our Radio Free Leader Starter Kit, a collection of our most popular episodes sent right to your email inbox so you can listen in just one click. Again, that's davidberkus.com slash 718 or text Radio Free, all one word, to 33444. Today's episode features my friend Mark Babbitt. Mark is the co-author of a book called A World Gone Social. He is the founder of three different organizations all doing great work. And he and I both have recent books, his A World Gone Social, mine under new management, about this idea that the world of work is changing and that the best leaders, the best managers change along with it. Now, Mark comes at it from the realm of social media and connected technology. I come at it from the nature of work, but we both find agreement in this episode about how things are changing and what we need to do to keep up with it. It was it was a great episode to record. I had a ton of fun. I also enjoyed editing it. So I hope all of that means that you'll enjoy listening to it. So here's our interview with Mark Babbitt. Who are you and what do you do? So uh, I'm Mark Babbitt. I, uh, I run, help run a company called Switch and Shift, which is a site that promotes or advocates uh, social leadership and, 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 uh, and change leadership. Um, I also run a talent community called U-Turn, which helps our, our young, young professionals, recent graduates and college students ascend into the workplace a little bit more gracefully than they might have otherwise. Nice. And, um, and we both have red books with computer symbols on the cover. We both, <laughs> we do. We both have red books. So, I mean, true, true story. Uh, no listeners probably don't care about this, although maybe they do. If you do keep listening, um, we, you know, we have the shift key on the front of under new management and we debated whether or not that was too old school of a key. And at one point we threw out, well, maybe we do the, that reboot symbol from the keyboard because that's still on, you know, any device, et cetera. And, uh, and I was like, no, we, we can't do that. And they said, why? I'm like, well, because the book's red. What do you mean? And then I had to send them the picture of your thing. Like, we can't do that. That's already been done. Um, so, yeah, there you go. And I think, you know, long-term listeners to Radio Free Leader will, will remember we had Sean on uh, the show a while back when his book, The Optimistic Workplace, um, came out. Your your red book with uh, computer, sim- iconi- computer iconography. Let's use a fancy word. Wow. Um, your red book with computer iconography on the cover uh, came out before that. But long-term listeners will know that when Sean was on the show, I admitted that Switch and Shift was exactly what I wished my own blog would have been, which is why I basically folded the whole Leader Lab blog and just kept the podcast and changed it to Radio Free Leader. So well done there. You guys did a way better job doing what I wanted to do than I could. So if you can't beat them, uh, give up and have them on your podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we have to give a lot of that credit to to our writers. We call them our our league of extraordinary thinkers, and they just they just keep they just keep you know promoting and 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 well writing first, and then promoting amazing content. It makes our job pretty easy. Yeah. No. True. I I couldn't figure out how to keep them all writing. Um, that was my problem, right? But it was that similar idea of like there needed to be 
um, a, a space, a new space, not necessarily associated with the, the long-term legacy brands of HBR and Forbes and Fortune, et cetera, um, to talk about a lot of these ideas, et cetera. And that, that was Switch and Shift. Um, it should have been Leader Lab, but it was Switch and Shift. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> We wanted to get together and chat about a bunch of different things. We we come at the we come at the same thesis in in both books. We come at this idea um, that the world is, of management is changing. A world gone social. Your book really sort of profiles one of the reasons for that is the change in technology is that has changed the conversation um, and made almost everybody. I mean, in some regard, made almost everybody the PR department for a firm now, right? But it has a bunch of other ways that customers uh, communicate with the firms that they do business with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get into what I really enjoy, which is what the implications for for management are for all of that. And then I, you know, I come at it from a very similar angle. Um, less about the social media side because I, I already proved by the folding of Leader Lab and the rise of Switch and Shift that I don't I, I don't get that part, um, or that you get it better. Let's say, <laughs> so <laughs> so, um, but yeah, let's so let's chat about that. I guess uh, is that what you see the primary shift, or what are the other factors you're seeing that have led to this big shift in how we think about the role of managers or the the tasks of management in recent years. Well, I think a big part of it, and you and you definitely allude to this in your book, is is you know the industrial age just beat the crap out of us. We 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 got I think we got collectively tired of being a cog in the machine and not having a voice and not being listened to, and and going to school to get all these great degrees and this and this and 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 working your butt off to get all this experience and then not have a voice at work. It just it just made no sense to us and. And it took us a long time to catch up to that, I think, David, because, I mean, we haven't been a manufacturing economy for a long time. And, and yet we, we kept this industrial age leadership slash management mindset for decades after, after that was gone. And, and thank goodness, just in the last decade or so, we finally starting to see the shift in how people lead and especially in how people want to be treated in the workplace. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. I, I think the um, comics like Dilbert and movies like The Office Space and shows like The Office, uh, they wouldn't be funny if we hadn't have kept a lot of that industrial era, manufacturing era management practices, if we hadn't drugged them with us from the factory to the office, right? So they're, they're funny because we recognize the treating what was supposed to be knowledge work and creative work as routine um, is sort of did it. I, th I think a lot of it is the, the, um, the shift, obviously, in the nature of work. But the interesting thing is it took a lot and this is where a world gone social sort of dives in. It it took a lot for it, we us to actually make those changes. I mean, Dilbert's been around for a while. Office spaces. I mean, I'm dating myself saying I even know that movie, right? So we, you know, we've made jokes about how terrible this uh, environment is because we're using industrial era management for knowledge work era work. Um, why do you think it is that we? Act, I mean, is is social the reason that we actually? are making this change now? Was that the sort of straw that broke the, the camel's back on this whole thing? Well, I think social gave, gave people that voice that we miss so much. And, and if you, in the old days, if you were, if you felt like you were, I don't want to mistreated as such a negative word, but let's just say you weren't being enabled, you weren't living up to your potential at work, then human nature dictates that we blame something or someone, our boss, the process, the rules, something. And, and on social media, we started talking about that openly, out loud. And, and 
you know, I can remember again another another old thing, but you know, we were t- don't rock the boat, don't make waves, don't uh uh-uh. uh, just keep your job, keep your head down, just do what you're told, and and that's that man- manufacturing mindset, right? And social media, I think, although we can't give it full credit for for changing the workplace, it did give us a voice. It gave us a way to articulate how frustrated we were, and to their credit, a lot of employers started listening to that. Even even more important, other employees and potential employees started listening to that. And we started keeping track of the best places to work less and the best CEOs and 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 the word got around about the companies that 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 were that were squelching creativity in a even though they were promoting themselves as a as a knowledge worker environment. Word got out and and I think um, because we started paying attention to that, um, we might be social a little, little bit more credit than it deserves. But it did it did start that trend where we could actually say out loud what we were thinking. Hmm. Well, I mean, and to 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 some extent, there's definitely that idea that that we could say out loud that they kind of had to. Now everybody has to pay attention to us. Um, but you you brought up a good point that that it was sort of to their credit they listened. Right, which is interesting because I think you have you can draw a lot of analogies to an org chart there with the idea of upward communication, downward communication. Social scientists uh, and communication theorists have have known for a long time about what we call the mum effect, minimizing unpleasant messages. Meaning, as something goes back up through an org chart or, or a hierarchical chain, the unpleasantness of the message gets sort of stripped away. Right, and so the leaders before, I think, are, are well-intentioned and really did think they were listening. But there was that even if unstated idea that don't stand up too much, you'll get hammered back down, right? Don't rock the boat. So even when there were unpleasant messages, they were sort of minimized so that by the time they got to leadership, they were, um, they, they leaders maybe really were listening, but they weren't listening to what the real problems were because right. they were getting filtered out. Uh, right, they the, they were listening to a filtered version of of the truth of of the reality, and that and that's a that's a failure in management when you get right down to it. Yeah, you know what's so interesting about that though is that I, so I get questions so often now from from um, writing running around and talking about the ideas and under new management, and people will say, "Well, how do you lead this change? These things are drastic. How do you lead them?" And you know, and I always say, you know what, they they don't. Most of the things that make for a good workplace right now are actually stripping away the junk that makes for a bad one. You know, if you look at the majority of the policies even in under new management, they're not policies that were uh, that we had to lead people to. They're not practices we had to drive people towards. They're, practice, they're practices of elimination. They're practices of saying, what's holding our people back? Let's get rid of that. But again, that requires an ability to listen to what is actually holding people back. Well, and and you and I, I, I know we agree on this. So one of the things that holds people back is other people, and and that's that's where we that's where I think we're seeing the biggest change in our practices, is we're quickly identifying those who don't want to hear the full message, who they thrive on that filtered, you know, that filtered version of of the truth, and and. Those are the people that are getting they're getting a little hot water right now. Um, you know, you take uh, um, Peter Aceto from Tangerine Bank, um, formerly I, ING Direct. He was one of those guys. He admits I loved my filtered, you know, because it made everything sound better. It made it made it sound like I was doing a better job. And then once he personally got on Twitter and saw some of the negative comments from his bank's best customers, that he went back out there and said. 
said, now, I heard a completely different version of this story through eight layers of management, and here's what I just read on Twitter. What the hell? And, and again, um, give him credit where credit's due. He jumped all over it and said, no more filtering. That's it. I, I need to know what's really going on out there. Or I can't help, or at least I'm not helping in the right way. So, so that's, that's probably what social does best is if you really – really want to listen if you want to if you want to focus in on what your customers or your employees really think about you as a brand as a manager as a leader it's all right there you just you just got to get on board and 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 suck it up and start listening well and i think your point about listening is is the key thing you know so many people when they talk about uh, big corporate leaders stepping out from the the corner office on the top floor and actually engaging in social media it's this idea of like, okay, well, we need to get someone to run your account so you can be tweeting all this. And it's focused on outbound, outbound, outbound. I mean, really, you could, you could theoretically, um, the best thing to do is almost not even announce that you're on there, set up a pseudonym account. And then, like you said, just start listening. Um, you don't necessarily, I mean, there's obviously, there's obviously benefits to a leader engaging with the public, um, engaging with um, customers and, and employees, et cetera, on social media. But I think, I think the biggest thing is that listening piece is, re, is finding a way to tap yourself into an unfiltered perspective on what's going on. Well, I tell you what, I, I get um, your, your, your point is amazingly valid because I get how busy we are, right? When we talk to a CEO or a CXO, does a CMO, CIO, they go, look, I'm already working 14 hour days. When do you want me to be on social media? This isn't going to work for me. And, and it, and so what do they do? They do exactly what you said. They hire an intern or they delegate or they, they build a, you know, they hire a consultant to build a social media strategy that has this person tweeting 60 times a week, but he's never seen any of his own tweets. And, and it's just, it, it, it's kind of the wrong way to go about it. And, and so we actually tell people all the time, you don't need to be active on social media to be a good listener. Somebody does, like even, even at our organizations, every morning I get a cut and paste, no filtering, I get a cut and paste email from one of my team members that talks about everything everybody said about our organizations the day before. Every morning I get that. When and you say organizations, you mean the, the client organizations you're working with, right? Uh, well, no, I don't, well, I don't want the world to think that Mark's not sending his own tweets. No, 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 <laughs> I, no, I, well, I do send my own tweets. No, I, what I'm talking about is the act, the listening part. Yes. Um, I don't have time to go through and see what everybody said about U-turn today. Um, switch and shift. I don't, I don't have time to go through every mention, right? Um, we're too busy for that, but, but you can have somebody collect that data and send it to you in an email like I get every morning. And in five minutes, instead of two hours, you see everything relevant about your company the day before. And that's, that's listening. Without being overtly active, without spending two hours a day, without taking a workday from 14 hours to 16 hours plus response time, now you're actually listening and you're engaging. And you can reach out to those people and say, hey, just saw you had a great experience on U-Turn. Really appreciate you mentioning it on social media. And now the CEO is talking to somebody, you know, one on one, real time, and that's and that gives you a huge advantage. So, so here's my million dollar idea. I think we can get a million dollars in funding right off the bat, right? Okay, let's do we it. Create an algorithm that can scan social media for your company name, but then also can can judge the type of message that's being posted. 
and factor that into like a number, like a Likert scale, right? One to five. And then that turns into like a net promoter report that gets emailed to the senior leadership team every day. So they don't even have to sort of be on it. They're just seeing the net, like here's the quantifiable, how many people hate us versus like us on social media type thing. Um, hmm, interesting. I think, but again, I think it underscores that idea that the first thing you need to be doing is using this tool to listen. Even if you've got to use help to do that, the key is making sure it's unfiltered, right? Right. So this would be an unfiltered algorithm, right? But you could also use an unfiltered secretary, et cetera. But yeah, I think so many people do. They get caught up on that message of what am I going to say to the world, right? I got a million things to do. How am I going to write out 10 things in 140 characters and make sure that I'm scheduling it in throughout the day, et cetera? Um, I mean, I, I sit in really boring academic meetings all the time, so I've got plenty of time to read my own mentions and send my own stuff, but I shouldn't actually be admitting that. Um, <laughs> but, but I get that others do. And again, it's that most important thing. Find a way, whether it's our algorithm that you're going to, you know, that you can license for just a million dollars a year or um, hiring somebody to sort of do it. That's the key point is that listening. Well, you know, I, I enjoy being on social media, probably for the same reason people like Peter Asito does. I, I love real time what somebody thinks about a blog post and the comments going back and forth and you know between our two organizations and now we have a third one coming up soon we're we're at you know seven eight um, pieces of content every day going out the door and and it's intriguing to me what people think and and how they react and and you know we tend to be a little rebellious so if you're not listening how do you know how do you know as a leader as a manager Without that feedback, how do you know if you're if you're doing the right thing and taking the right approach? So, you know, I I spend about forty five minutes. My first forty five minutes every morning is on social media every morning, and then I do the same thing in the evening before I shut down just to see what happened. And and it's uh, it's intriguing to me. It's you know, social media is the first time ever in our history uh, a business that we can collect and react to real time input from our customers and our employees and. And like I said, our candidates and and our champions, and it's it's in, the whole process is intriguing to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh, there are a bunch of different resources to check out if you've got to figure out how to do that. There are obviously the two and a half or, or two and uh, one pre one unannounced company. Um, with Mark, there's there's also the book A World Gone Social. Uh, while you're there, go ahead and grab a copy of the other red book with computer iconography on it. Uh, um, in the meantime, Mark, you you know what's coming. We shift, and we're, I want to ask you our five questions for all guests, and then I actually want to go back and listen to Sean's answers, and I want to see how they compare. Oh God, but no pressure. Five five questions. First one: What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received was actually from uh, from Steve Young, the the, uh, the the former NFL quarterback, now now announcer for ESPN. Um, and it was, it actually wasn't directed at me; it was directed at my football team after a after a camp that Mr. Young come came and helped us with. And, and he said, "You know, we try to make life so complicated, and really, it's just about showing up. It just it's just about being there and being present and being mindful of the moment you're in right now, and not." You know, and this is this is this was quite a few years ago. So it was actually before we all had our noses in our in our respective devices all the time instead of carrying on a human to human conversation. But his point was, look 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 where you are right now. Enjoy where you are right now. And um, and I try to use that. And you know, I have five kids and two grandkids and and these two and a half businesses. And and that so that that advice has really stuck with me. Hmm. What's an average day look like for you? Oh boy! Um, now we're going to get to the workaholic side. Um, 
I am I am a, uh, a devout workaholic, so I admit that right off the bat. I get up at 4 a.m. Um, I spend the first two hours of my day communicating, um, either email or social media. Um, I then go through all of our content um, until about uh, 8 o'clock in the morning uh, and uh, make sure that I know what the world's talking about, uh, not just from our point of view, but but other people like you that I that I read about often. Um, and then and then we start the business day. Um, we we uh, we we talk about the content we're going to have the next week. We talk about the clients we're serving today. Um, it turn I turn into a CEO at about eight o'clock in the morning, um, and then I stay that way until about seven o'clock at night, and then I turn into a dad and a grandpa, and that's the part I like the most. Well, if that's the part you like the most, how come we don't start it till seven? Because I'm a workaholic, and my wife my my wife would love it to start much earlier. Um, but but when you have these. Uh, two and a half organizations, and you coach Little League, um, and you coach basketball, and you coach uh, Pop Warner football. Um, all of that, all of that kind of gets in the way. So, um, but we have a we have a good balance. I mean, I consider part of my responsibilities as a as a dad, as a grandpa, is is, is to carve out time. So, I read I read at my kid's school, and I coach sports, and and I lump all that into my into my um, you know into into my day as part of my commitments. Um, I rarely think, David, about my work as work. It's just my work is just another commitment that I have as a as as a as a human being, and so I lump it all into one spot. So, next question: What are you reading right now? Um, I am actually reading rereading "Art of the Start" by Guy Kawasaki. Um, somebody the other day asked me what my my one of the most impactful books I ever read, and I and that just came out of my mouth, and I went, I haven't read that for years. I'm going to go back and reread that, and and it's even better now. I mean, it's quite a, it's been out a long time now, but it's it's even better now than it was, you know, when I was when I was forty. So, hmm. what do you believe that most people don't? Oh boy, that's a good question. Um, I I believe in the potential of human spirit, and I don't mean that in a foo foo soft way. I. One of the things I love about our communities, um, U-turn, switch and shift, now the new one forward heroes for our military veterans, is we help people every day. And, and we, we help people get to a level they didn't even think possible sometimes. And, and all, I think all it takes is, is one mentor to help you get there. And, and I'm surprised, I'm still surprised that that in, even in our social world now, we haven't quite caught on to how important that is. No, that's good. So the last question, the title of the show is Radio Free Leader. In your view, what makes someone a leader? Uh, I think somebody who's a leader is a mentor first. So we say this all the time. We, we want to, you know, there's a big, you see these infographics and everything all the time, the difference between a manager and a leader. And we try to take that one step further, the difference between a leader and a mentor. And, and, and so that's what I see. The ultimate leader is somebody who doesn't just help you get the job done, but helps you grow, helps you learn, helps you share, helps you connect. And so, so that's what I think of when I, when I think of, uh, the triple on, on Tundra on radio free leader, I think of somebody who's, who's out there, not just, not just building their own personal brand, but making everybody around them stronger. So we should have called it radio free mentor, huh? There you go. All right. See, 
The book, again, is A World Gone Social. The companies are U-Turn and Switch and Shift. And what was the, the third one that's coming out we're, soon? We're launching a third kind of community this, uh, this summer, David, called Forward Heroes. And what U-Turn is for college students, Forward Heroes will be for our military veterans. We're going to help our veterans make, make a more successful transition from their military careers the civilian workplace. Fantastic. That sounds awesome. We'll be keeping an eye on all of that. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Free Leader. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here.